It's good to be back. It's very good to be back. I texted my son um, a couple days ago, and I said, will you remind me of a funny story from the Camino? And he texted back, and he goes, flip-flop girl. And I thought about it today when I was wearing flip-flops, and I thought, you know, on the Camino, there's this rhythm that you get up early, like about 5.30 in the morning, you get dressed, you get your boots on, and you get out the door. In a couple hours, you stop for breakfast, and then you keep walking, and you keep walking, and you keep walking, and... And then you get into your town, and then you have to do your laundry, and then you have to find something to eat. And by the time you get to this point, it's like about it's probably about eight o'clock at night, and you're ready for bed. So people usually go to start going to bed at eight o'clock. And there was one town that we were in, and everybody was in bed, and we were sleeping. And you're in a room like with forty people, and all of a sudden you hear this pop, 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 pop coming down these wooden stairs. And it was a girl in flip-flops. And she didn't know how to make her flip-flops quiet when she came down the stairs. And all of a sudden, everybody in the, like, this albergue is going, shh, shh. You know, she's, they're shushing her, and she's not getting it. I don't know why. And so she's going down this flip, these stairs, flip-flop, flip-flop. And Scotty and I are upstairs. We're playing cards. And... Um, I don't know why, we're night owls, but anyways, we should have been in bed. And so we're listening to this happen, and we're upstairs just giggling as silently as we can giggle. Do you know how, and then when you're trying to silently giggle, you giggle even more. And down the stairs she goes, flip-flop, flip-flop, and all of a sudden you hear this. She drags a chair across the floor, and she keeps going. And, I, and there's this thing that happens on the Camino at about 100 kilometers left. You can still walk 100 kilometers and get the same Compostela, the same certificate as somebody who walked 500 miles. So these people jump on right before the 100-kilometer mark, and Scotty and I looked at each other, and we said, she's 100K. We know it. We know it. And we immediately began to, you know, judge her and talk bad about her and whisper about her. And all of a sudden we looked at each other at the same time and we go, we're supposed to love her. We're supposed to love her. And I was immediately challenged about this, this call to love. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about today. Because I'm still being challenged about this call to love. And we're going to talk about the gospel, and we're going to talk about how it's powered by love, and we're going to talk about how, how do we do this like Jesus did? Is it even possible? And the answer is, I'm not really sure 100%, but we can sure get closer than we are to be more like Jesus than we are right now. And so that's one of the things that we're going to talk about today, but I just wanted to share my story of Flip-Flop Girl because... Uh, she will forever live in my memory. I don't know her name. I don't know who she is. But I will always remember the noisy people at night when you're trying to sleep. So let's pray. Father, thank you that you keep calling us deeper and deeper and deeper into um, noticing you, noticing your son, noticing the Holy Spirit in our lives, calling us to do and be what Jesus modeled. So I pray, Lord, that you would give us um, soft hearts to hear you today and that you would fill our hearts with hope that you are um, the God of the gospel that has great, great power to change us and transform us. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, Brendan, we started, we were in Romans 1. Let's make sure I got this going. 
verse 16, and he talked about how Paul was not ashamed of the gospel, and he said that the tone of Paul saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, was not combative. And that he reminded us that everything that Paul experienced through the gospel was like kind of couched in his experience on the road to Damascus, which was an encounter of God's love for him. And so when Paul writes about this, he says, well, I'm not ashamed of it because it transformed my life. And then do you, I don't know if who was here, but if you remember or if you went back, Brendan asked last week, he said, how many of you want to change the tone in your life? I didn't have any responsibilities last week, so I was sitting in the back, and I saw probably about 75, 80% of the hands go up, which means that it was probably about 85 to 90% of us in here, because some of us just refused to raise our hands. And I couldn't get away from that thought. How many of us want to change the tone of our lives so that it looks more like Jesus? And you have in your bulletins a sheet of paper And I take notes in there, but I don't take notes on the bullet points of the message. I ask the Holy Spirit, will you show me what you want to show me today? And I write down a couple sentences that have weight to them. And that was one that I wrote down last week was, what is the tone of my life and how do I want it to be changed? So this week, when we're looking at the verse, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, I began to ask the Lord, what do you want to talk about here? The gospel is the power. It is the power. It's for salvation, and salvation is one of the main things we need. As a humanity, we need salvation. One of our greatest needs is to be reconciled back with God. It, we have to have it. We, we, we can live without it, but it is the saving power that, ca- that allows us to transform, allows us to change, allows us to be Jesus to other people, and allows the tone of our lives to change. Salvation requires that God impart new life to a dead sinner. Gospel 101, right? Something that is impossible for man to bring about on his own. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot save each other. It's only the power of gospel that can raise a dead sinner. It's like Lazarus. Lazarus. When Jesus called him out of the tomb, he said, Lazarus, come forth. And I'm sure everyone was sitting there going, uh, Jesus, he's been dead for four days. First of all, he's going to smell. You know, and, but Jesus did it. It's a, it's a great, great example it's an it's a illustration of what the power of the gospel can do in our own lives. It can raise us from the dead and bring us into new life. And only Jesus has that, and it's powered through the gospel. The New Living Translation um, says in this verse, it says that it's the power of God at work. The power of God at work. So here we are in Romans 1.16, and I'm asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want to say to us? What's on your heart for this week? What's the tension that you want to bring our attention to? There's so many massive concepts in in these verses. It's shame, there's gospel, there's power, there's salvation, there's righteousness, there's faith. (laughs) We could spend years on each one of those concepts in themselves. So I'm listening, I'm trying to do really good listening, and I heard love. Like, love? That's not on the list. That's not on the list after I argue with him, then I say, well, what do you want me to know about love? And he says, 
It's what powers the gospel. It's what drives the gospel to have the power that it does. You cannot have the gospel without love. It can't exist. It's what gives it power. The gospel is love at its purest form. It's selfless. It's selfless. There is nothing in the gospel that is about Jesus saying, I'm doing this to benefit myself. We find it so hard to put into words because it's not logical or intellectual. Love's relational. You can't, it, love is relational. God is love. God is relational. Love is relational. And it's a supernatural power. So we have a hard time finding words for it. It goes to such a heart level. And when you start researching scripture and start looking up love and how love is shown in scripture, it's so much deeper than I could ever say in 20 minutes. And this is what I realized. We can talk about the gospel. We can talk about what it is. We can talk about the power of it. We can talk about how love is its driver. But the words is not the gospel. The gospel is revealed. The gospel was revealed in the person of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. It's revealed. We see it. We feel it. We engage in it. We experience it. It's not just an intellectual, let me tell you point A, B, and C of what the gospel is. And you, and you start to look up, you know, love then and how love empowers us and what we are called to when it comes to love. And, of course, you know, Jesus doesn't waste any time. He says, look at Luke 6. So if you have your Bibles, you can look at Luke 6. But otherwise, you can just listen to this. You've heard it a million times. But now hear it as, I'm called to love. The gospel is love. The gospel is, is love incarnate. And this is what Jesus says. Love your enemies. That's the gospel. Do good to those who hate you. That's the gospel. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic. We're going to come back to this in a minute. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do to them. I read that and I'm like, I feel like such a failure. But it's what Jesus is asking of us. Jesus doesn't look at us and say you're a failure. He says, no, come here. Let me show you. Let me show you how to do it. Let me show you what it looks like. It's deeper than any of most of us experience, but you can know it, you can feel it, you can experience it. Because it's revealed, it's not talked about. I was watching a documentary, uh, no surprise, um, on the Oklahoma City bombing. And I don't know why I do these things, but I was doing that. And I'm just so intrigued with, with people's stories and, and history and when they come together. And I think one of the reasons is because I see God in them. And they were interviewing a mom, and the mom had lost her two-year-old um, in the bombing. And the interviewer was asking her, you know, how could you sit in the courtroom with Timothy McVeigh, the man that was responsible for this bombing? And she says, 
My testimony and my story of God's love is more powerful than fists. It's more powerful than anything I could say to him. It's more powerful than my words. What she was doing is she was revealing the gospel through love, through the power of love. See, it would be really easy to say, you know, well, let's just let God handle him. God, he'll get his judgment. We'll get our vengeance. We'll let God handle it. But nothing will touch other people more deeply than having the love of God shining through you and through our lives. And I think the challenging word is, what's the Lord saying to you about that? What's the Lord saying to me about that? I've been so, so challenged by this lately. To how do, how do we love like Jesus loved? How do we give that selfless, that selfless attempt at loving? And then we go to Luke 23. And in Luke 23, Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's been betrayed. He's been beaten. He's been abused. His cloak has been taken. Sound familiar? Luke 6. What Jesus was saying to do in Luke 6, he lived out in Luke 23. And in that moment and in that place where he's living out what he said for us and said, let me model it for you, here it is. He says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. And in my (laughs) flesh, I say, "Uh, yeah, they did. They know exactly what they were doing. They picked up the whips. They spit. They threw rocks. They jeered. They abused. They verbally called out names. They knew what they were doing. They're, respons- they're responsible for their action. Doesn't anybody have to take responsibility for their actions anymore? And then they thought, forgive them, for they know not what they do. From Jesus' perspective, from his viewpoint, from God's vantage point, they didn't know the bigger story. And it's actually humbling to be able to say, I don't know. I don't know the bigger story. All I do know is I'm supposed to forgive as Jesus forgave. I'm supposed to extend grace as Jesus extended grace. I'm supposed to love as Jesus loved. Because when Jesus went to the cross like this, he wasn't thinking of himself. He was only thinking of you and me. He was only thinking, you are so beautiful that I can't do anything but love you and do this for you. He wasn't thinking, I'm doing this so that I can have a bunch of minions. Scott and I went and saw Despicable Me 3 yesterday. It's not why. He did it completely selflessly, completely without self-interest. And I'm so convicted that I love with self-interest. What am I going to get? How is that going to benefit me? And the Lord's calling us and saying, be more like me. Be more like me. Love without any self-interest. What Jesus modeled for us when he said they don't even know what they're doing. (laughs) There's a point where I was reading and it said, he never even retaliated. He didn't speak back. He didn't fight back. He didn't say, yeah, but what about what this what you've done to me. Yeah, but you don't even know. 
yeah, but he didn't raise his list of, of judgments against the people. He was silent, and he took it. I don't know. How, I, I have a hard time understanding that, except that it's wrapped in suffering and lap, wrapped in love all at the same time. Talk about tension. Talk about tension. Suffering and love all wrapped together in the same place. He was silent. To me, it's the epitome of 1 Corinthians 13. You know, we, we use, see that often in weddings, but think about Jesus on the cross doing it without any self-interest and then think he did it by the power of love and you've got love is patient, love is kind, does not boast, it produces the fruit of the Spirit, love, peace, kindness, gentleness. How about self-control? I get really, really convicted of that. Because here's the deal. The gospel does not tell about the power of God. The gospel reveals it. When you think about the gospel is, a, is being powered on a wave of love, and you look at Scripture, and you start in Genesis, and you start looking through all the things that God is telling us in Scripture, it's one giant love letter that is telling us this is the gospel. The whole of Scripture is the gospel. The whole thing. When we see, when we see Moses love the people and help them get rescued out of Egypt, that's the gospel. When we see the Israelites want a king because they don't understand that God is the, the perfect king and God keeps giving them love upon love and, and, and do-overs and do-overs, that's the gospel. When the psalmist says, remember what God has done for you, that's the gospel revealed. And you get into the works of Jesus and you look at how he said, the kingdom is at hand. That's love. Everything Jesus says to us is all from love. When the woman is caught in adultery, it's love that Jesus doesn't condemn her. When he heals the the man at the pool of Bethesda and says, your sins are forgiven, get up and walk, that's the gospel revealed. That's the gospel. That's living it out. If we need an example on how to live it out, it's full of them. It's full of examples on how to live out the gospel powered by love. When he healed the centurion's son, when he said to the thief on the cross, you're forgiven, it's all the gospel. It's all the gospel. When Scotty and I were on the Camino, um, there were all kinds of people on this walk. All kinds of people. And all kinds of people from all over the world. All kinds of people from different faiths. The pilgrimage is kind of a Catholic heritage pilgrimage. You know, you had a Protestant pastor there, so once that word got out, people were watching. I could feel it. And there was one time where we were, sleep, we were getting ready to, um, for the night, and we were in the albergue, so you're in a room, like, with 20 beds or whatever, and I'm sitting there with my Bible open in my journal, and I'm trying to get with God and journal, and I'm noticing the people in the room. And across from me is a couple of the same sex, and in, in, they're, they're all twin beds, and they're in the bed, and they're watching a Netflix something together. And I thought, boy, this is strange for me. This is strange to be sitting here with my Bible, being a pastor, and I, it just had something to it. 
So I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what do you want me to know? And they don't know this. But I began to weep because I heard him say, love them. Love them. Nothing else. Just love them. So all of a sudden they're listening to this and all of a sudden you hear them go, yeah! And they're both really excited about what they were watching. And I looked up and we caught each other's eyes and I said, what happened? And they said, they got the bad guy. And I said, oh, I love it when they get the bad guy. Just love them. It wasn't my role to do anything else because I was an example of the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. Every situation is different. It's why this, why this idea of what is Jesus saying to you in the moment is so critical. And in that moment, I was to smile at them and love them. They actually, on the walk, became uh, somebody that asked me some really poignant questions. Made me think about things that I wasn't thinking about. Love. It's powerful. It's extremely, extremely powerful. And if we could just trust it, if we could just trust the gospel, if we could just say, Jesus, you have proven over and over and over and over and over and over and over that you know what you're doing. I trust you to live through me. And if we would take the gospel out of a box that we put it in that restricts it, and we would say, Jesus, how do you want me to love people today? How would we change? How would the tone of our lives change? Watch this. Some of us are in all different places, and we can relate to Cody in different places. We can relate to him when he's climbing the mountain, thinking, oh my gosh, am I ever going to get to the top? We can relate to him when we're free-falling, and we don't know if we're going to be caught. We can relate to him when we look in his eyes and we say, higher, Jesus, change the tone in my life. I want to go higher. Or even sailing with Jesus for a long time and then you're, you're skiing and all of a sudden you see, oh no, there's an obstacle up ahead. It's a log with flamingos and you don't know whether you can trust him or not. There's all kinds of things. Some of us, are jumping on our own because we're like, I totally trust him. And I can jump and I can leap. The gospel meets us all wherever we're at. It's that powerful. It's absolutely that powerful. And I think the Lord would say to you, let me in. Let me in. Trust me. I want to change the way you think. I want to change the way that you um, need to be renewed. I want to reclaim the good way that we can love each other. I want this for you so bad because I love you. Not because I need something from you, but because I love you. We change because of its power at our work in in our lives, and then piece by piece, little by little, we can soar more and more like Cody does. I loved it when when, um, he tried to, I don't know what the right word is, but he tried to make the noise that the eagle makes. He tried to imitate him. I'm like, that's us. 
We're just hanging on for dear life going, okay, Jesus. Ah! <laughs> and that's okay. You are beautiful. Not because of what you look like, not because of what you wear, not because of the way you do your hair, not because you give it the food shelf. You're beautiful because the Lord loves you. And there's nothing more powerful than that. That's the power of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, you are amazing. (laughs) Absolutely amazing. And we thank you for the hope of renewal. We thank you for the hope of salvation. We thank you for the hope of understanding more and more how you love us so that we can love others so the world will know you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for modeling for us selfless, disinterested love. Would you help us to grow in that as a church, as individuals, the church at large, because the world needs it? I pray that this offering would be your gospel going forward, that it would be your gospel revealed to wherever the dollar lands, that it would be contributing to your gospel being revealed in its full power of love. In Jesus' name, amen.
Yes, you are the risen King. 